0: In the Bible, we see Herod. Herod wants to kill the child Jesus. And because he can't trace him at that moment, he orders for the killing of all the young ones two years and below. What is that? It is still there today.
1: Hello, friends. We are here. Jim and I just arrived in Kenya. We were in Uganda before. We're in Kenya now. And... It is incredible. You know, one thing that we noticed right away when we got to Kenya was the culture of welcome. They call it karibu here, and we're taught to say asante, asante sana, which means thank you very much. And it has been an amazing welcome. We were just at mass uh, this morning. We drove from Nairobi to Kitui, about two hours, and we were just at a beautiful mass where this bishop, whom we're gonna talk to now, gave a homily that was truly amazing, one that was very forthright on the teachings of the church, all the hard ones that so many of the faithful in Canada, in America, even in Europe, are unwilling to talk about. You see, we've come to Africa to study how they are standing up against the pressures to go against life and family, pressures which almost the whole of America, Canada, and Europe have fallen to. We are overwhelmed by the LGBT agenda, the agenda against life, and yet here in Africa they're standing firm. How is that even possible when you've got the administrations, Biden, Trudeau, all of Europe, the EU, and not only them, also huge corporations trying to fund their way into Africa and change their culture. They're not letting it happen. They're standing firm amidst this awful pressure. We're here to find out how they're doing that. So, you've got to stay tuned for this episode of the John Henry Weston Show with the Bishop of Kitui, Joseph Molenga. Hello LifeSite friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Each round is stamped on the back with an image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, we feature LifeSite's logo, surrounded by brilliant sunbursts and draped with olive branches, and each round commemorates LifeSite's 25 years of pro-life, pro-family reporting in America, Canada, and beyond. These one troy ounce rounds are 0.999 pure silver, and LifeSight has just under 10,000 in stock. They're beautiful, historic, and forever enshrining the most important American pro-life victory of a generation. This first edition LifeSight silver round is the perfect gift for yourself or anyone you love that collects precious metals and is passionately pro-life. And each purchase helps directly fund LifeSight's pro-life and pro-family mission. This is the first precious metals collectible of its kind that is directly supporting LifeSight's worldwide mission that you know, love, and trust. And now it can be yours while limited supplies last. Get your 1 troy ounce rounds of 99% pure silver today by clicking the first link below and celebrate life with all of us at LifeSite News. In the name of the
0: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is is now, now, and ever ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I am Bishop Joseph Mwangela of the Catholic Dives of Kitui here in Kenya. I am also the chairman in the Kenya Catholic Bishops uh, Commission of Lay and Pastoral Apostles. What is that? of the growth of the church here in uh, Kenya and in Africa is the family. We are one, and as people, we work together, and work together as a community. A child belongs to the community, although you have a father and a mother, but you are a child of a community. When you succeed, the community succeeds. When you fail, the community fails. And that's the cement that is there, most of the activities are done by families in communion as one. And the idea of a church, right from the time when we talk about the church in Africa, the synod of Africa, is that the church has a family of the people of God. So the idea of family is very crucial. It binds us together. We walk together. And we like to move as brothers and sisters. The only drawback is when, because you have 42 tribes, when sometimes we feel like this belongs to that tribe and I belong to this tribe. But in Jesus Christ, we see ourselves as brothers and sisters and try to work together in harmony uh, to kill divisions and to promote harmony. But the family is very crucial. You have to grow together, loving each other as brothers and sisters, loving our families and having that sense of belonging. As a church, we promote that concept, that the greatest asset that we have in any family is the binding together the husband and wife and their children and for many many families many parents their greatest investment is in their own children it's not the amount of money that they have in their banks but how well they take of their children and the greatest sorrow is when a family has invested in the young ones then they absorb bad morals they get in drug addiction they're going to drink. they go into moral ways of living. That hurts the family. It hurts the community. Because there are those who love, others who don't love you. When those who are succeeding, they see, the, the, the others see them now getting children who are not doing the right thing in the family, becoming irresponsible. The others who rejoice. If it's like a competition. But essentially, we rejoice in growing together and lifting each other so that we grow together. The teachings of the church have helped us to grow. Love of the family, love of children as a gift from God from birth, from actual conception to natural death. And liking that and accepting it in, in spite of its challenges, knowing that the beauty of creation, children are always given as a gift from God and are accepted as such. But as you get these pressures from outside, the people growing, you need a smaller family. Needless to say, because of the work you are doing, the amount of money needed to bring up children. And this can be a case where now we are saying, while everyone is a gift, you must get children whom you are able to bring up, but you cannot see children as a threat. In the Bible, we see Herod. Herod wants to kill the child Jesus. And because he can't trace him at that moment, he orders for the killing of all the young ones, two years and below. What is that? It is still there today. When people are frightened because of young ones, if I fear to get a child, if I fear to get two children, then there will even be a strain in that family. So we encourage our people, love children, love one another, is a gift from God. Let's bring up our children in ways of morals to be God fearing. Because of this way we are getting vocations. There is going to be a crisis of vocations everywhere throughout the world if we don't embrace a family, if we don't love children and show them the right way. So for us, it's great openness to all the cultures of the world, to all practices, encouraging our people, loving them, loving every child. Even in the disabilities, we say inability. Uh, Disability is not inability. You can be disabled, but you also have many lessons to teach to the community and the people. The limitation that people have. Then, as they grow, we need to accept everyone, in spite of their challenges and what they go through. But we must hold on to the values and the teachings of the church, which again needs to be put in the laws of the country. We don't want a minority to come with an agenda and impose it on others to say now, maybe to have two or three children is bad. Maybe for us bad, but how intrinsically bad is it? Is it to have many cars? Is it to have a big houses or to embrace life as it comes? And life is from natural conception, from the time of conception up to the time of natural death is life from God. Then there are ways of family planning, but everything comes as a gift from God. So that mainly is the joy of us in the country. And being in charge of the pastor and lay apostolate is telling our people to grow this fabric that holds us together. They love one another so that there is stability in that marriage. There is love between husband and wife. And they accept the gifts that they get from God as a gift from God. We welcome children. We show them the right way. And these are going to be the light of the world. Light of the world. And indeed the whole world. Because once they grow well, a child doesn't just belong to the parents. It will be a benefit to the whole community and to the whole world as a gift that comes from
1: God. Absolutely. One of the things that uh, you said in your homily at Mass, which was startling to us from America, was that you, you talked explicitly about encouraging young people to not go down the ways that are immoral, not go down the ways that are against the values that you have. Um, And you were very specific about girls shouldn't be kissing one another and things like this. The need to be explicit so that they all understand is very important. It's something that really isn't done much in all of the West. Why that kind of forthrightness? Why why do you care to explain it so specifically?
0: It is because, as I said, now today we were lodging the... those who did their, for the standard eight exams, primary school exams last year, and now they are joining form one, secondary schools. They are being uprooted from their locality, joining now other schools where they'll be meeting other students from other different parts of the country. They'll be studying together. These in a way may be foreign to them, but you are meeting, and each one is bringing their values. So in most of the schools they are saying, we don't tolerate this. So if you come, you cannot be initiated by others into things that are very foreign to you. If it's boys, and then they are coming to a school, they are just young, then they find maybe they are seniors, those who are in form three, form four. Maybe they have gone into homosexuality or lesbianism or whatever it is, by learning or because it's in them. You know, the one who is coming is to be protected, I don't want to go into the idea of where they became and how they are, but the schools are very keen on saying, no, we understand whatever orientation you may have, but we must protect the innocent ones who are coming. They are just come from their families. How do they get introduced into ways which are strange to them? So it's upon the schools, as a moral aspect, to respect the orientation of each child and respect these children who are coming into their schools that they don't learn habits which are very strange to their own way of life. And this must be very forthright because i are not talking about a gay student, a lesbian student coming in and joining others who are gay, whatever it could be. I don't want to go into that, but I'm talking about the children from, from their families, a father and mother who is caring for a child and wants them to grow as they have learned. They should not go to secondary schools, to universities colleges to learn things that are very strange to them. By imposition, or by a seduction that they find themselves into because they are also young and they are being formed. You cannot tell me this is their orientation if they are learning it from a group of people who are into that.
1: Has to respond to very difficult questions today because culture, society is is all over the place. How would you respond to someone who says, "Well, it's all about love. You you don't love these people because you these two guys they love one another, and you're saying that they can't have that love? Aren't you for love? If it's love between them and that's what they
0: think they have, how they land is something different. But I cannot come and ratify these and universalize what just belongs to me. Like out of love for the church, I have chosen to become a priest and I study for priesthood. Someone else who is not called to priesthood goes to do what they want to do and they become married and they follow that as their way of life. So my way of life cannot say my love for the church and love for priesthood. Everybody else should be in love for that. And essentially the church says the marriage between a man and a woman and those, they love each other because they must be bonded by love. That's what we mainly know. How the others came, we need to study more, but I cannot now look and see because the love is the love of God and love of neighbor. If I love Satan, for example, do I impose it on others also to be loving Satan because it's a matter of love? Because I love money, do I go and steal? Because I love this. So love is that we are told, love and do whatever you will, that's St. Augustine. But it must be true, sincere love, based on God and the principles of God. So we guide, let me, let's not push the horizons too much that we go beyond what is now accepted. If it is love within a family, like I may pose, eh, hey, you are married and you are a wife, and then she loves hey, your brother there whom you work together, and he loves her. Is that love now, should that now come into their communion that they start living as husband and wife? The Bible tells us that is adultery because love between husband and wife is not between husband and somebody else's wife. So you must define love as it is, not the way I want it to look like. Otherwise, you can justify anything, even using the Bible, if it's a matter of justification. So the whole idea of love is love God and do whatever you will, but you must obey the commandments of God so that you show me this is real love and I'm putting it in
1: the context of what I have done. What do you say to those who say, oh, you must hate gays and lesbians because uh, it's, you show them so much hatred? Is there a hatred?
0: You know, it's it's called homophobia. Homophobia, you hate the other person because of what they are. You can hate the other person because I'm African, you're European. I hate you because you're this and I'm this. These are the divisions because in Jesus' there is no race, there is no sex, there is no man or woman. We are all children of God. So everybody, essentially, is a child of God. And we must love each other. The whole thing we even say, even in the broadest way we say, we hate sin. But you must also love the sinners. Does you have also do prison chaplaincy, go there and give the ministry to those people. Even someone who is about to be hanged, even if it's by law, needs someone to go there and then join with them. And that's their last minute. So in terms of love of one another, we don't have to bring racism. We don't have to bring in the divisions because of sex, because of who you are. We must love all people. We must love them as they are. They must love themselves as they are without any group imposing an agenda on the other. And then because if I am lame, I don't have to make other people walk limping so that they identify with me. Because I limp, you must also limp. I will identify with you. I will love you as you are, but I will walk straight because I am my two feet and I am able to go. I will find you on the road. When you are moving, you have no car. Uh, you are just there and the sun is hot. I will give you a lift, but I will not leave my car there and walk with you because you are walking. So you love other people and don't blow dust over you, but I accept the way you are, I accept the way you are, respecting also the the, the boundaries of each person. Mm-hmm. So hatred is not in the Bible, it's not there among in any group, we must love all people in spite of their situation, but nobody should also hate me because I am different from them. Powerful minority, can be a dangerous thing. So that where there is a small group with an agenda, they must also respect the masses. It's not about how much power you have, even as an individual, the powers you have as a bishop or as but practicing the law of God and loving all people are without exception, like the good Samaritan. Open our hearts, broaden our horizons, and travel and see other people. And you accept more people as you live with them. Immerse yourself into the church without being, being subsumed into that, that you, you don't go and find people who are lost the way and you get lost
1: together. We go into the sea to save those who are drowning, not to go and drown together. Finally, on the pressures that you're receiving, as, as a church too, but, but your governments are receiving pressure, you're, you're, basically your whole community is receiving pressure from the international sphere, particularly from Europe and America, but also from these big corporations with so much money. Have you felt that pressure, and what do you make of it?
0: Well, someone said that you sound on negative. Almost negative. Said an idea whose time has come cannot be stopped. When things change, things have to change. They change, but the idea of pressure is not what brings change. And this is where people have to be alert on everything and on everywhere that we realize the content. We have tried to fight even um, education. What is put in our syllabus? What are our children taught? What value comes? And we have to also compare what is happening in other countries and how has it helped them? Which way did people go and how did they start? How did they lose the way? Why do you have many vocations now? Why do you have families which are strong and stable? The whole idea about women liberation came and we want women to be liberated. But I don't want families just to break down because we are giving liberation to women. I don't want men to be fought by their wives because they are fighting for their equality. It's looking at what is good in our marriage. What is bad in it? What can it be purified? Because no culture on its own is enough, but no culture should be made superior. My cause on faith and culture. We have to look at every culture and immerse that faith into that without one becoming the overall, which is imposing itself. We don't have to be Eurocentric. We not about being Afrocentric, America-centric, or whatever it is. Looking at what good is coming from each continent, how can it blend with the others? And how does it help me to expand my view of the world and then not to allow whether there's multinationals, whether they are governments, whether they are individuals, to impose their agenda. We look at it. If there's something good in it, we absorb and we take it. But as we say, you cannot swallow everything, who, clan, and sinker. It cannot be thrown down your throat that, as a government, unless you accept this, we are not going to fund you. Unless you accept this, we are not going to do this to you or get this so that you accept. We do each way that we are not driving an agenda of an individual, of a group, small group, or big group, a multinational, a government, a division of a group of people. By doing the will of God. Actually, indeed, my own motto is that your will be done. And that's the will of God, not the will of an individual, not mine, not the will of some sponsors, not the will of this group, but the will of God, which you must always seek to do. These forces will always come, there will always be pressure. But you know, you must always carry the cross. You must resist the pressure. and uh, You can be marked that you are the one against this. So we are going to sideline you. This is going to happen. But a church must be a church which will face even persecution because of standing for the truth. But let's also not be looking for persecution when it is not. What needs to be heard is the voice of the church because you are the power. The voice of God should reverberate through us to be heard, speaking about the truth, about the values, and doing that which is right, and attracting people like the light. You say we are the light of the world, sort of the earth. If we are tasteless as a church, where do we go? We must have the taste, attract people, and even if it means martyrdom, that we be ready and firm to stand for it, and stand for an agenda which is like the gospels. So the gospel values they will be eternal at all times, in all places to all people, so that now we move and challenge people. And people when they are challenged, they realize what is good in spite of what conditions they will embrace it. Jesus started as one person with the gang of 12 apostles. Look at us; just spread the other world. They are forced in everywhere. The church are dying in some places, but they are also filled up in other places. So the Spirit of God will always be with us, will journey with us. And that's what I believe in the Spirit of God who moves us and blows wherever he wills, and I see a very, very brilliant future, and the church should overcome, because the God, everything is possible. So a lot of them being frightened, what is happening, what's happening, these are forces, as you saw in the beginning of persecution, St. Paul, when they started this, and then the early church, they are told, if this thing comes from human beings, it will come and go. If it comes from God, it will remain. More than 2,000 years, Christ says you standing strong. Maybe it's a new time, a reawakening, to wake up and realize what we need to stand for as Christians and stand
1: up for that, and God will always be with us. You said in your homily that you here might be a light to the world, that Kenya might be a light to the world. We're really hoping so. (laughs) In America, I think a lot of the Christians in America are, because we do look to Africa as the last man standing for the truth of the gospel values, do you have any advice for us that you would suggest that we can do to recapture our love for life, love for family in, in America and all of the West?
0: I have visited America myself. I've been there several times. I've seen the all laws of the churches. You can have the best and the worst in every place. Today is a Sunday, and if you go around the streets here, you may find some people have not gone to church, some drunken people who are sleeping in the trenches, but you also go to the churches and they are full. There are people who were in bars last night and they didn't come. But not to say the church, church in Africa is to be like the light to all nations, to all nations. Even the gospel is preached to the gender, I we call them the nation, but to all ends. You start from where the faith is to where it is not. And the same for Africa, because you have the abounding number of vocations, you we are able to go to, to go to those who brought the faith to us, so that we give back. You're not going, the church doesn't conquer, but you're sharing the gifts of the church. What I have, the richness here, and the poverty elsewhere. If there's poverty of vocations, why don't I share the vocations which I have? And sincere vocations that you are there to serve the Lord. As the people are called, they came here as missionaries, very tough situation and they conquered. They brought us the faith, we embraced it, and we are now continuing it. It is can be said when the World Cup was in Africa, South Africa, this is the of Africa. So Africa can also give a lot to the world by showing how we celebrate, how beautiful a celebration can be. It's not just some you go, within 30 minutes you finish, but you celebrate, and everybody participates. It's not being done for you. It is active participation. Listen to the voice of God and abandoning ourselves totally to God, and working in the old church so that we move forward. So I think that is it, and uh, God's blessings are with us. Excellency,
1: might I ask that you could give a blessing to our viewers.
0: Thank you. To our viewers, blessings from here in Kenya, here in Ketui, may we grow together and may the church always remain a light where there is darkness and we will remain with taste in whatever we do that we may attract people to this great food in the church, with the Eucharist. May the God bless you all. in the name of the Father, and of the Son,
1: and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.